On Friday, the preliminary results of the end-of-life choice referendum and cannabis legislation, legalisation and control referendum were released with the final results for both of the referendums and general election to be released this Friday, the 6th of November. The preliminary result for the end-of-life choice referendum showed that New Zealanders voted overwhelmingly in favour with 65.2% voting yes and 33.8% voting no on the question, do you support the End of Life Choice Act 2019 coming into force. This morning on a Pacific Breakfast Show, we will discuss both beginning with the End of Life Choice uh, referendum. Uh, joining us now uh, for more on the end of life choice referendum results is uh, Dr. Sinead Donnelly. Dr. Donnelly has extensive international clinical experience in general medicine. Uh, she is a senior lecturer at Otago University, Wellington, module a convener for qualitative research, a part of diplomas, clinical research, Victoria University, with extensive research publications on general medicine related topics, as well as a fellow of the Royal Australasian College of Physicians and Royal College of Physicians in Ireland. Uh, Dr Donnelly also authored the Doctors Say No Open Letter Opposing Euthanasia, which was presented to MPs at Parliament at the end of 2019. She joins us now for more. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Dr Don, uh, Dr Sinead. Hello, Hello, Brian. Initial thoughts on uh, the preliminary results from Friday? Oh, well, there's great disappointment um, and sadness uh, for the, I suppose, for the people we care for and for the profession of medicine. Um, I suppose I come from four generations of doctors um, in medicine in my family. And uh, I always saw our role as caring for people and serving people and uh, helping them even when we can't cure them. Um, so on a personal level, um, this feels, this legislation feels contrary to everything um, I trained for and uh, believed in. That's on a personal level. What do you put down the overwhelming majority to with regards to the referendum, uh, Dr Schneid? Um, just to say, Brian, I can't hear you very well. Um, for some reason, uh, it's probably something um, on my side. Um, you were asking, what, why do I think so many people uh, voted for it? Uh, I think it's a very complex topic. Um, it's taken me many, many years training in medicine to uh, to understand it and appreciate what it involves. So I imagine it um, would have been very complex and challenging for every citizen of New Zealand to understand and vote based on an understanding of what it what it the consequences of and what it entails. Um, one doctor, palliative medicine doctor, said the other the other evening, um, what we really should have been talking about or what we really are talking about is people's fear of death um, and all that existential kind of reality of the mystery of life and death but we never really talked about that we just talked about this tip of the iceberg uh, media attractive topic uh, of a doctor intentionally ending someone's life um, so, which is euthanasia um, and assisted suicide so um, I, I, I suppose I, I really feel we as I said, it's like the tip of an iceberg and underneath that tip are all our human uh, fears and anxieties and our values and our understandings of community, our understandings of life, our understandings of death, our spirituality, everything is beneath that. But actually we were only talking about, do you take um, you know, this box 
um, which had a rather nice title, you know, do you want to come, do you want the end of life choice to come into force? So if you just take the words end of life choice, oh, that sounds like a good idea, uh, you know, because it could mean so many things. So even if people appreciate, well, it involves euthanasia, they might, I don't, I really don't think um, they, um, they, they were helped uh, to understand um, the, the, the depth of what we were discussing. Um, it would have been lovely, I think, if we were having a referendum on, you know, every New Zealand citizens and residents' uh, right to palliative care, <laughs> or palliative care is a human right. I mean, we're all going to die, every single one of us. Um, so surely that that topic, you know, it, it's a huge it's 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 a huge issue for every one of us, and I think we were only asked to vote on a very uh, kind of high-profile, media-attractive uh, topic when I wish we were talking about all the rest. Now, Dr. Sinead, in terms of uh, what this will mean uh, to the medical profession, uh, the you know health landscape of New Zealand and the impact on uh, yourselves as doctors, uh, talk to me more on that, please. Well, I, I only represent myself now. Um, we did collect the signatories of 1,800 doctors who were, uh, you know, thought this legislation was putting vulnerable people at risk. I don't, you know, I don't speak for those people. That was just our open letter expressing our concerns. Um, so the Hospice New Zealand will, I'm sure, speak and have already spoken. Um, and the palliative medicine doctors and palliative care nurses, they're all the people who look after people who are dying every day. Um, and they, I know, have deep concerns about its impact on the practice of palliative care so people would people say i'm afraid of dying i wish it was all over you know it's a it's a human reality you know it's so complex and everybody's so individual um so um and and the palliative care world and the hospice world have been supporting people in that you know reality of facing their death and families are supporting people who are dying communities are um, so now you introduce this and the person who's dying will now have to think, should I request euthanasia? You know, is that's an option, you know, in society, the state has legislated for it. The state has sanctioned that doctors can end my life. Uh, is it something I should consider? I would, I would, I believe that that's an added burden um, to have to think now, should I do this? And the, and in that thinking, because I can imagine myself, you have to think, am I, how much of a burden am I on my family looking after me? You know, do they re you know, I can see how stressed they are. So uh, I'm just giving that as an example. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm imagining. So we've added, I believe, we've added to the burden of everybody uh, who's facing their death um, to consider whether they need to ask for this. Um, so that's one example. So I think the care that's provided through palliative care will actually be harder to do um it'll be it'll be harder to support uh, people who are facing their dying who have to consider this um it's also um particularly sad that um palliative care um in new zealand you know depends on 50 percent of its funding is through charity um uh, what other branch of healthcare relies so heavily on you know the Salvation Army, you know, the op shops, not Salvation Army, you know, but op shops, hospice, op swap, whatever they have, secondhand shops, bake sales. Oh, it's great that the community does that. But actually, what other branch of healthcare relies so heavily um, 
that just gives you a sense of how much it, and you just have to wonder how much the state really cares about people who are dying um so now um it, it's it, i just i just think it's a very dangerous combination of such poor support for palliative care already such inequity of access to palliative care throughout the country depending upon where you live uh, and then you add in this legislation where now everyone has to think who is dying should i consider euthanasia would i be, be would the family be better off um uh, if i weren't here mm. Um, Dr. Sinead, can I ask, uh, under this legislation, when it's passed, we're looking at about a, a year coming into force, as a doctor, will you legally be able to decline a request of a, a patient due to, say, like your own uh, ethical or, or moral beliefs? Yeah, you uh, you can, uh, I understand you can invoke or request, say that you're conscientiously objecting. Um so what's interesting is some hospices uh, in New Zealand have already taken that position that as an institution, they will conscientiously object. And that's arising from um, a high court case that took place before we all voted, but during uh, just prior to the campaign uh, in which a declaratory judgment was sought in the high court. And the judge indicated that uh, an institution such as a hospice can actually, it's not just an individual can invoke conscientious objection, but the entire institution can. So um, I understand that many hospices in New Zealand will take that position. Uh, individuals then as doctors and nurses uh, will be able to say, I don't want to participate in this. Uh, it's sad though, because we actually care about people. So naturally we would have been involved in someone's care, looking after them. And then they say they want euthanasia and the patient that you actually cared about and believe that euthanasia isn't the answer to their distress. You will now step back, that relationship is ended. So you really, um, the idea of relationship and building trust and caring for somebody and using all your skills um, and all your experience um, is kind of, it's, that's, you have to just step back in a way. So, uh, um, yeah, I think an awful lot will be lost. Well, actually, those patients, I think, will lose out on very good caring doctors who could look after them. For yourself and your international experience in terms of other countries that have legalised euthanasia, what have been some of the big things that you've seen overseas? Um, well, uh, based on, for example, Canada was the most recent example, uh, which has legislation very similar to what New Zealand has introduced. Um, some frightening things are the extension of the boundaries um, the prior, the, those who campaigned in favour of euthanasia talked about very safe guards and they were very watertight, but they will be challenged um, politically uh, or legally through the government, through parliament or through the, through the justice system. Those will be challenged over time um, and even um, I, I think I read in, or I did read in, in uh, on the me news media um, that David Seymour said just prior to the result coming out that should it be passed, thousands of people <laughs> in New Zealand uh, over the next few years will will not have this agonizing death as a result. So that's, I'm paraphrasing it, although I, I think the words thousands are correct. So that's very different to what they were saying prior to the election, which was it would only be a certain number of people, a small number of people that it would involve. So already they're speaking the language of thousands of people will participate in this. So, um, uh, so in Canada, the boundaries that were originally there are being challenged. 
uh, in the Netherlands, um, also where it has been there for, for many years, um, although the, the boundaries are, are expanding. And in Belgium, for example, it involves palliative care is, or sorry, palliative care, that's a dreadful mistake. Uh, euthanasia um, is now available for children. So in Belgium, uh, and um, in the Netherlands, they're suggesting it should be available for people over 75 who are just tired of life. So all you have to say, that's all you need is to be tired of life, and then you can uh, request this. Whereas up to now, people who are tired of life, we try to help them <laughs> and improve their quality of life. But um, uh, so, and also in Canada, some of the funding for palliative care has been linked to euthanasia. So, um, so, so for example, funding to a nurse providing palliative care, that nurse is also supposed to provide euthanasia. So um, that's a loss of some of the funding to palliative care. Some of the palliative care institution or hospices in New Zealand, or sorry, in Canada, um, they're threatened their funding if they don't provide um, euthanasia. So um, the palliative medicine doctors in Canada, um, uh, so the pe people we've spoken to, uh, feel there's an erosion of the um, the just of the care of patients. So patients that what has happened is they in the hospital they'll have a team. For example, in Canada it's called the maid team. So it's the medical assistance and dying team. That's the euthanasia team. So that that person that team is established within the hospital just like a palliative care team. So you just call them and they come to your room and they, you know, set up the process uh, for euthanasia. So it'll just become normalised within the healthcare system. I think it's going to split uh, teams within the healthcare system. Um, and be quite, I think it's going to be quite distressing. Dr. Sinead Donnelly, uh, we thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it and have a great week. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye.